If they didn't have to listen to it, that would be a really good joke. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's super important to me that no one hear that. Hi, Nick. Hi, Caleb. Hi. Have you watched Pixar's new car spinoff for elementary schoolers? <laughs> um, I don't think I have. Um, you haven't seen it? Because, you know, they did Cars, and then they did Cars 2 and Cars 3 and Airplanes. Yes. And then they also did the new one for elementary schoolers. I think it's called uh, Alphabet Racers. I have not seen anything about that. You haven't seen Alphabet Racers? Oh. Uh-uh, I'm sorry. Well, What's it like? Is it good? Yeah, it gives me a chance to tell you about it. So the... I don't watch stuff that's for kids, obviously. <laughs> that's just, like, not my deal. <laughs> Clearly. Only adult content. How could you expect me, a grown adult with very, just, like, mature interests, mm-hmm. to have watched anything that may have at one point been intended for children is basically what I'm saying to you. <laughs> well, there... The, uh, <laughs> the best thing about the show, the coolest thing about it, right, is that, obviously... Yeah. Because it's for younger audiences, they're doing basic stuff yeah. like teaching the alphabet, teaching letters, and so each of the characters kind of has a specific letter that they're tied to, and the car oh, that's has cute. like a big decal on it, or it's shaped kind of similarly, and they you learn because they have a name that like has the first letter of it and all that sort of thing. Okay, okay. Yeah. What's the A one? Oh, the A one, that's uh that's Alex Alex Ryder. Alex Airplane? <laughs> <laughs> that's yes, Alex Airplane. Is the B for bulldozer? Does it have the big red B emoji on it? Yes. Yeah, it's got <laughs> Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I really I thought maybe you hadn't seen the show, but it sounds like you have. Sounds like I intuitively understand the premise of the program. Yeah. But the uh the bad guys, it's kind of like a wacky racer situation where there's a race every episode okay. and the bad guys have like lackeys and so they're they're like trying to get in the way of the races um and one particular car has like a lackey that's been a recurring character it's been like pretty famous sure Uh uh-huh yeah i'm sorry i haven't heard about any of this then you're having to tell me so many things but i really appreciate your patience with me and your willingness to educate and i appreciate how much you (laughs) and my listeners are willing to listen and also how much you're not going to disown me when i tell you that (laughs) this character the character that's the lackey of one of the cars that's in like the second half of the alphabet Uh Um, doesn't have a name Ah. yet in the show. And so in the credits, they're just listed as the S Cargoon. I can't believe you did this. <laughs> Hello, everyone, Hi. and welcome to Your Two Show. Your Two Show. I hope you've limbered up, but if not, there was a stretch for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm feeling ready to rock. Your Two Show is a podcast where your two hosts uh, release content on your two's days, but only two of them. <laughs> Uh-huh. That's true. <laughs> like Kirby, we like to split things into two. <laughs> <laughs> For real, hello everyone. Yes, hi. This show is a show where we watch cartoons. I make bad jokes about them. Nick is a genius and he makes good jokes about them. And right now Well, I'm not sure okay. <laughs> the current evidence suggests. And right now we are talking about Kirby right back at ya. And today was episode four, The Dark and Stormy Night. That's right. My name's Nick Splender, and over here is my friend Caleb Zane Hewitt. Thanks for introducing me. I forgot where I was. Wave to the microphone, Caleb, so everyone can see you. <laughs> 
Ah, there it is. That good natural hand motion. Thank you for that. (laughs) Classic microphone wave. Here, I'm going to (laughs) wave. I think that one really came through. I really think that was clear. Uh, We had a little trouble. We tried to record last week and didn't work out Mm -hmm. because of technical difficulties and impatience. Nick or I did something that infuriated some kind of witch and every single piece of technology that we touch lately either produces a crackling noise yeah. or refuses to work entirely. Yeah, and so if you are that witch, mm-hmm. uh, I just want to say I'm sorry, mm-hmm. and also please let me know what it is I need to do yeah. to escape like the electrical attack that is assaulting all of my equipment. I work from home and mostly on a computer, and really there's a no price too steep that you could charge me at this point to remove the curse. So Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can get whatever you want out of us. I mean, that's... <laughs> Speaking of electrical attacks, would you like to recap this episode, <laughs> Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Hey, yep, that's, uh, that's kind of how the show goes. Kirby, 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 that's the name you should know. Kirby, 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 he's the star of the show. He's more than you think, he's got maximum pink. Kirby, Kirby, Kirby's the one. He comes right, back at ya. He comes right, back at ya. Give it all that you got, take your very best shot. He's in the right, back at you for sure, yeah. Episode 4, Dark and Stormy Night, starts in Living Room Rest. We are seeing DDD confront Tiff and Tuff in their family room in the castle. And he says that Tiff is a traitor who is harboring an alien. Tuff counters DDD and says, if my sister's a traitor, then prove it. And he says, okay, I will prove it. Look at this photograph. And he shows a photograph that shows Kirby fighting against the tentacle monster, but because of the magic of television, Mm. it's a single photograph that shows us a whole clip of time. Yes. The clip of time is the fight that Kirby had against the tentacle monster from episode one, and DDD's point is not featured in the photograph he shows, but is featured at the end of this clip that we see because we saw the photograph (laughs) where she (laughs) used the star and activated Kirby's, like, star power for him where he's able to ride around on the star and be extra strong. Yeah, DDD is like, this is a photograph adjacent to a crime, which is all I need to convict you in a court of my choosing. (laughs) My favorite thing is when someone has committed a burglary and to prove it, the attorney shows a picture of the bank. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exhibit A. (laughs) As you can see, there's a bagel shop in this photograph. That's next door to the bank, which I believe we can all agree my client did rob. Now, if you'll please go into the memory space for me very briefly, you'll recall that the last time you saw this bagel shop, you were purchasing a bagel while the murder was being committed. Don't be alarmed. Your memory is black and white, but the bagel was blueberry. (laughs) This is not a black and white berry bagel. (laughs) He says, I know that you threw this star, but I also know that because we haven't seen the star since then, Kirby's not getting anywhere. He's not going to get away from here and he's never going to be strong enough to beat me if he doesn't have the star. Yeah. Also of note is that Tiff and Tuff's parents are not taking this very seriously at all. As soon as DDD shows them a picture of Kirby, they start talking about how cute Kirby looks. They yes! Say, the, the mom says that he's photogenical. <laughs> and the dad starts asking what kind of camera he used. Did you use a digital camera, DDD? <laughs> like, that's such a great dad question. What I'm curious about here, right? Yes. Are we assuming that their technology level is up to 
about where ours was circa 2001, 2002. Like, because digital cameras were kind of a big deal then. For yes, everybody. yes. They, they mentioned the internet explicitly in this episode. Mm-hmm. They have phone lines in ho- at home, which, you know, nowadays can't ever find. True enough. Yep. The tank looks about like my tank that I had in 2002. The one that DDD drives. Oh, yeah. It's like the tank Jeep. Almost identical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're all kind of not exactly taking him very seriously. And DDD pouts. He runs away. He goes back to his throne room and he says, fine, if I can't earn respect, I'll just buy it from Nightmare Enterprises. It's so good. The enemy <laughs> sales rep appears. He says he needs something that's going to defeat Kirby. The sales rep says, well, that's great. I've got just the one for you. But he doesn't say it like that. He says effectively, well, that sizzles. I've got just the shock to Kirby's system that you need. <laughs> this episode had entirely too many electrical puns. They were loaded into almost every conversation. There was at least one line of dialogue that had an electrical pun in it. Yeah, and the only explanation that I could come up with is that every, the rest of the episode features a lot of quick cuts as as Kirby is being chased around the town by electricity. Mm-hmm. And person by person, they encounter, you know, an electrical kerfuffle for the first time. Yeah. The only way you can justify the writing in this script is to go, well, None of these people heard the other jokes that preceded them. Yeah, exactly. The sushi chef was not aware of what enemy's representative said over the internet phone. Like, he just, he didn't know. If he did know, he wouldn't say what he said. <laughs> but unfortunately, we have, it's like working at a restaurant a little bit where you, you come up to the table and then people make the same jokes over and over again. And yeah. they think they're be, like the first one, apparently. It's mm-hmm. that kind of situation where you just have to smile and go, they don't know. They don't know. And even more, in just a few seconds, this show during that chase, which we'll explain exactly how we get there in a minute, but it's relevant right now. The yes. show makes the case for a sort of like chaotic determinism to the use of puns and the ensuing result of what happens to you. Interesting. Because Interesting. She, the, the most straightforward one is the fortune teller says, I predict something shocking is about to happen. And then she gets <laughs> yeah. electrocuted. Yeah, and potentially killed. I mean, and we don't know what happens to her, but she looked. it looked pretty bad. It looked very rough. <laughs> like that could have been just like the joke that comes from any fortune telling you know the the gods of the future are hilarious and that's yes that's a fact of life yep and then the archaeologist he gets shocked a second later but that's just because he's in a position where he's about to be happy and in this show archaeologists (laughs) are not allowed to be happy (laughs) they are not allowed to have vases they are not allowed to have dinosaur skeletons oh that is too true Kirby's done a lot of damage to the historical <laughs> record of the Cappy planet. For real. <laughs> <laughs> and then the police officer says in what is like the most inspired pun of this episode. Yes. He's like talking to somebody in jail and he says the DA is <laughs> handing down further charges. Yes. And then he gets <laughs> electrocuted as well. That's a really good scene. It has it's it's a very good tone for like 5 seconds of dialogue and then that silly joke. I wonder about how TV shows often have like single writers that work on particular episodes. And usually I am not someone who can watch an episode and pick apart or tell like who's been working on what. I'm like uh-huh totally bought into the good place or whatever and i can't tell who's writing on which one which sometimes people talk about being able to tell in this case every episode it has felt like i could feel the signature style of each of these writers yeah like this one had all these puns and what what happened in the very next scene from what we were already talking about 
Tuff is wandering around outside in the hallway and he sees Meta Knight like skulking past him very quickly. Uh-huh. And Tuff says, hey, Meta Knight, how's it going? And Meta Knight just says, very badly. <laughs> it's so good. It's such a good, very badly. <laughs> such a good line. <laughs> and there are all these like little cute, very, very quick yeah. jokes that this show is not like sitting on too hard. Right, a lot of lightning quick jokes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that's precisely right, Nick. I'm glad that you found... That's precisely right and is not the, a joke The itself. perfect word for it. Perfect description, yeah. Meta Knight <laughs> says very badly because he has seen that DDD has ordered the storm monster Krako from Nightmare Enterprises. Yes. I don't know if this name, because this is a monster, we find out later. It's the big cloud with spikes on it and an eyeball from Kirby. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the original name of this creature from Kirby or if it's another thing of this show kind of naming its monsters bad. I don't, uh, I think it might be because Bugsy is a real enemy from... The Kirby games. Okay. The Beatles from the last one. And I guess this thing's name is Krakow. It never introduces itself in any game that I'm aware of. <laughs> it is Krakow, also titled The Cycloptic Storm Cloud. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. Yeah, a lot of the names, I just learned this week that like the little spiky guys that uh, DDD throws out mm-hmm. uh, in Smash, Yeah, that those are called Gordos. I think as we continue to uncover the actual names of things that the Kirby games themselves like don't make explicit, but there are names for them, mm-hmm. I think we're in for a few more treats. <laughs> a few more little gifts. If you can consider Krakow a treat, which I don't love that name, but it's okay. We'll I, move on. Yeah, I don't love the name, but I do love the monster. It's one of my favorites. Yes. And to Corey, we see a second later, because we don't really get an exact explanation for what Meta Knight's going to do or what he's worried about. He just right. tells Tough, like, stuff's going down. I have things to do. Takori is, quote-unquote, teaching Kirby how to make a bed. He's uh-huh. making Kirby make his bed, but his excuse for it when Tiff arrives is that Kirby needs to learn anything because he doesn't know anything at all. Yes. When Tiff arrives, she pulls Kirby outside and tries to kind of coach him on, like, you don't need to let people just make you do stuff because they want you to. And then Kirby gets distracted by a dragonfly on her head, and she gets frustrated, and she says, ugh, this is like talking to a baby. Yeah. And also, to Corey says, don't go putting ideas in his head. He likes to keep that place empty, which Kirby also liked. <laughs> Kirby smiles, and I love that line. Mm-hmm. First of all, we don't know that Kirby has anything resembling a physical brain, mm-hmm. right? It's a, it appears to be a cavity yeah. into which all things flow. Yes. So, as far as that goes, like, keeping the head empty, that's pretty funny. That's a good joke. Mm-hmm. The other thing that this made me think is that what Kirby really needs to swallow next is an adult. Yeah, I was just thinking that (laughs) he needs to swallow an adult with an adult brain Mm -hmm. and gain the power of being a grown-up. Yeah, he's like, well, one second he's like, (laughs) copy! And then he like sucks up an adult and two seconds later he's like, oh my god, I haven't done my taxes in 400 years. (laughs) Wow, I've really... I've really gotten behind on a lot of stuff. Wow, I am exhausted. I definitely need a nap, but I can't afford to take one now. My Star Warrior (laughs) ship got destroyed months ago, and I'm way out of the range where I can file insurance on that. What What am I... What what was I thinking? What have I been doing? (laughs) Who... It's like I barely identify with the person I was, you know, back when I was like just a little pink blob, and then somebody like bonks him on the head and the star falls out and he's just like, Kirby! Kirby! (laughs) (laughs) I love that idea. That would be what happened if Kirby went to New Donk City, Mm -hmm. right? 
if he like absorbed one of the Sims that lives in New Dog City. <laughs> he would be holding a briefcase and wearing the hat. And then he would just be walking along the street going, oh my gosh, I've got to get to work. Oh my goodness, I can't believe His I'm- main power is like stress. <laughs> like what enemy really needs to do is put a person in a suit between Kirby and the enemy. And then when he, <laughs> when he accidentally sucks up the business person, it's like, oh, we have thwarted his greatest power, his freedom from anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> the thunderstorm does appear. Yes. And at first, before we see Krakow later on, it's just a thunderstorm. And the thunderstorm starts shooting lightning bolts down at Tiff and Kirby. And then it starts shooting lightning bolts sideways at Tiff and Kirby. And then after a minute of that, after a minute of this, like, completely impossible lightning attack chasing them around, Tiff finally goes, this isn't just a lightning storm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there are several sequences in this show, uh, in this episode, where just prolonged, repetitive chase sequences and Mm -hmm. uh, what feels a little bit like filler, which is okay. But yeah, this is one of several moments where it's like, and they're still being chased by lightning, and they're still being chased by lightning, and now she realizes it's not a regular lightning storm. Okay. It's interesting because, like... (laughs) The show does need some action, and I feel like, comparatively, this did have about twice as much, but yeah. having them run away from the lightning storm and having all this stuff happen around it ended up giving us like some of my favorite jokes of the episode, like the ones we mentioned a True. second ago, so I'm yep. very happy with it. Oh, yeah. Another yeah. thing that happens during that chase is that DDD and Escargoon are chasing after Kirby, and DDD says, come on, we've got to catch Kirby, for some reason, because he can never just let his monster do it. I have no idea what DDD's deal is. Yes. And Escargoon says, yeah, why not? I've got nothing better to do. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's just stuck there, and he can't, he's not permitted to go have his own adventure. Mm-hmm. What do you think Escargoon would rather be doing? I think that we have a good case for Escargoon, like, having weighed this against other options and decided this is the best one. Like, he's not really stuck here. Yeah. He's just like, he's been at this job for a long Mm -hmm. time. Maybe he thinks sometimes he'd like to go and work for like uh, a big dog instead of a big penguin or, you know, he thinks that maybe, uh, maybe I should try something different. But then he's like, well, the pay's good. (laughs) I think he probably wants to be a painter. I bet that his, that's his real dream. Oh, I would like that. Well, I just think that like painting takes very gently and slowly focusing on leaving a line, you know. (laughs) of goop on the page you're right painting is a natural is a snail's natural habitat wow wow that's a beautiful observation thank you (laughs) there's also this is probably not going to read as well on the podcast to describe it it was just a really really good timing moment that i want to highlight because i'm impressed with the show sure we follow ddd and escargoon and kirby and tiff kind of running away at different times that mm-hmm. are like in different places we're seeing them visually we're cutting back and forth and then we see ddd and escargoon fall in the moat and escargoon pops out of the moat and ddd pops out of the moat and then kirby falls pops out of the moat because apparently kirby has also fallen in there during the storm even though we didn't exactly see it oh it's because he crawled inside the tank wait which tank he went and hid in ddd's tank he oh. climbed in the back and that's why they got struck by lightning to begin with and i and then we lost track of kirby for a second yeah so then when they crashed into the moat when he popped back out, it was a great gag. Yeah. And then DDD and Escargoon go, both go, <laughs> because they're scared to be this close to their nemesis. It was so, so, so good. And so funny. It that was whole a great sequence. joke. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. A lot of good gags in this one. So Tiff goes to Kabu and starts about to, is about to ask Kabu for advice. And Kabu says, don't talk. You're, we're not alone, which is like very chill. And like, thank you, Kabu. Yeah. Kabu is not, is the friend that would not like be like, 
Actually, we're on a three-way call with her right now. <gasps> Kabu would not do that. We now know for sure. He, he, I appreciate that he's he's clear about that. And then what happens? <laughs> <laughs> well, we find out Meta Knight is under there and he has found the star, Kirby's warp star. It turns out that Tiff has hidden the star there under Kabu to keep it safe because she figured that DDD would never go inside of Kabu. I didn't even know we I didn't even know we could go inside of Kabu. Like yeah. I didn't know that room was there. Well, I bet DDD doesn't even know. And I thought for at first that it was like Kabu was on top of a separate room, but later on during the fight, Kabu opens his mouth and regurgitates the star, which makes me think that that room must somehow be be like a lower part of his body or something like a stomach. Yeah, it must be his stomach. And uh, I don't uh, like love that you put it that way. You could have said he opened his mouth and gifted them the star. Mm, mm-hmm. Like there are a lot of different things you could have said. But anyway, go on. I'm taking notes, but like I'm a writer, so I like know what I did. Wow, I guess you are the expert here. <laughs> <laughs> Tiff asks Meta Knight for more information, and she says, how, she says, how much do you know about Kirby? And Meta Knight says, much. Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps very little. <laughs> and then she, calculating like, let me rephrase this question, yeah. just says, tell me what you know about Kirby. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, uh, you know, what'd you do this weekend, Meta Knight? Brooded and wept. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a good weekend, Meta Knight? Wouldn't you like to know? Yeah. <laughs> what did you do this weekend, Meta Knight? I breathed and I cried. <laughs> and so he explains that Enemy's goal is to conquer the universe and that the Star Warriors were actually more like a coalition yeah, yeah. of people that all worked together to fight against Enemy's monsters. Meta Knight was the last Star Warrior to survive because there were a lot more monsters than there were Star Warriors. So, oh, so sad. He was alone for a long time, but he believed, this is where the story gets a little bit rocky, mm-hmm. he believed that hopefully another Star Warrior would exist at some point in the future. And he says this as if, like, I was the last one, so there was no way to know, but I hoped that one of these things that were technically just, like, people who chose to fight for a cause, would there'd be a new one of them? So we still don't know where the Star Warriors come from. Yeah. Like, we saw a collection of them, some really interesting character designs very briefly, Mm -hmm. that I hope come back to some extent later, even though I know they're all dead. But what it shows us is that, like, not all the Star Warriors had the same body shape as Meta Knight and Kirby. Yes. So it's not like they're one cloned or created entity that are all identical physically, which is something we could have inferred about up to this point. Yes. But we still don't know where the Star Warriors come from. And the fact that Kirby, as a Star Warrior, emanated from somewhere in the same sort of Starcraft mm-hmm. that we see Meta Knight flying mm-hmm. in his flashback, he's got the same kind of ship uh, indicates that, you know, they do come from somewhere and there may be some other, um, I don't know, maybe there's a, a nursery where they raise Star Warriors. And, as we learn, Kirby was not supposed to wake up for another 200 years. Yeah, it seems like maybe the starship is the nursery. Like, the idea is that Kirby was still kind of, like, gestating. Yeah. He was still, like, in the process of being fully formed because they, he says the Kirby woke up too early to really know how to think. Yeah. He cannot speak. He can barely think. He exists way earlier than he's supposed to because DDD's monsters triggered Kirby's ship, sending Kirby here 
even though he was not supposed to wake up yet. Right, right, right. So whoever is in charge of like loading baby star warriors into stark shaped ships mm-hmm. also equips those ships with a monster detector. Yes. And the purpose of the star warriors as an organization was to combat, basically to combat NME's monsters. Mm-hmm. Like we can infer that NME is this like ancient evil who has been trying for a long time to create chimeras and and elemental beasts with which to destroy all opposition. There's an interesting, like, I don't want to say rock, paper, scissors exactly, but that's the way I'm seeing it in my head. It's almost like a uh, an ecosystem okay. that we are sort of shown where enemy sells a monster to DDD because DDD wants to be a really, really powerful ruler. So he ordered the tentacle monster ahead of time just to use for his own purposes. The yeah. whole, it was just like a pet kind of, he wanted a scary monster. Because he ordered it, it lured a star warrior there to the planet. Right. And now Nightmare Enterprises, having created a trap by like selling a monster to this guy that would summon a star warrior, but because DDD doesn't know that's why Kirby is there, ah. it puts Kirby against DDD, but lets Nightmare Enterprises keep throwing monsters to kill Kirby and try to like get rid of another, maybe even the last Star Warrior. Right, right, right. Nightmare Enterprises kind of trapped Kirby but, and DDD into this duel. Yes, exactly. And that they may have been doing that on purpose. Mm-hmm. This also kind of explains why Meta Knight wasn't like fighting back. Yes. Or has just been laying low. Because if he really believes he's the last Star Warrior, but that another may come, that he's got to be there. Like, he's obviously just been waiting to train the next one. Yeah. But he is still in this compromised position where if he just turns on DDD completely to like raise Kirby directly, that'll put him in more danger, I guess. Mm-hmm. So this clarifies Meta Knight's purpose and intent a lot. Yeah. And the fact that he came to DDD because he saw that DDD was going to be someone who would order those monsters yeah. probably so he could be there when a Star Warrior landed uh-huh. was really, really interesting. This is a pretty good setup. Like, yeah. The narrative complications that are emerging as this show goes on are continually, every new thing that comes out is like, oh, interesting, cool. And Meta Knight, even though he has given us, like in the past couple episodes, every single episode has had a like reveal that at the time to me felt like it was the reveal. Like this is what we're going to get. This is the amount right, exactly. of structure we're going to get to this story. And then each time he sort of has retold the story with slightly more information that has recontextualized everything before it. And it makes me think that some of the holes that we're seeing now, like where did Kirby come from if he was the last one? Uh-huh. And like, why did Kirby wake up ahead of time and all that? I see them less as holes right now and more as like probably wrinkles that they are going to iron out later. And they're doing that on purpose. Yeah. It occurs to me that this this um slowly building the context over the first few episodes in a kid's show is a good strategy. And a little bit of recap they've done where they revisit the fight with the fire squid Mm -hmm. and they are sort of retelling the enemy thing. All of this helps. Like if you missed episode three, we're going to catch you back up. Mm -hmm. You might not have caught all of these in order, but we are trying to build a larger story. So we're going to do the little bit of recapping we need to get there. And an important piece of this is that we know that Meta Knight already knew Kirby's name like Star Warrior type yes. and how his powers work. So right now, my theory is that when the Star Warriors were falling, they did something that was going to ensure that a Kirby was going to appear. Sure. They just hoped that a Kirby would come that was like 
fully formed and like a genius combatant who is going to show up and like suck up the whole bad guy in one fell breath, you know? Right. And that apparently Meta Knight was ready to wait another 200 years. Yeah. Like that puts a really weird time scale mm-hmm. into this narrative, including if Meta Knight was like, I'm going to hang around DDD because he's probably going to summon monsters and that might attract the next Star Warrior, but I sure hope he waits 200 years. <laughs> but also maybe Meta Knight didn't know like how far along Kirby was in his yeah. gestation. Well, it really could have been a, a bug. Like, I'm trying to remember the first shot of this show. Like, I'm wondering if Kirby like accidentally bumped a button or something when he was asleep. Oh, yeah. Like, he was woken up by the like alert thing but i wonder if it was a bug and even though monsters were appearing it was supposed to ignore the monsters until kirby was ready and it just didn't so meta knight was there to sort of like defeat them if they got too strong interesting yeah okay cool uh the one other question that i this brought up for me well i guess i wonder how old meta knight is yeah and one of the things that lets humans have the like big cursed brain that we have (laughs) mm-hmm is our relatively long gestation period, biologically speaking. Like, a lot of other animals, like, are born much further along developmentally. Yes. So they can survive physically, whereas humans got to be taken care of for years and years in order to grow up and to be, you know, probably monsters. (laughs) This means that, like, if a star warrior has a gestation period of hundreds of years, that they are really potentially powerful and intelligent and like have capacities beyond what we could. Yeah. And I think that's a cool thing to think about. And it also makes it clear to us that now canonically every single Kirby game takes place before Kirby has grown up into an adult. Yes. (laughs) He's still, it's all still within that 200 period or like Kirby might just be like this. Oh, he might just not have grown enough before he was born to have like a different he might be learning better how to fight but maybe never more how to be like the type of person that he would have been otherwise which might not be a bad thing that's also true but in the in the longer scope this could be kind of like a dbz kind of situation where he's this like warrior who fights again and again and again but he's only effectively 10 years old the whole time oh and then there's like a dark future timeline where we finally see like future grown-up kirby who again he doesn't have a briefcase now but he does have a beard <laughs> <laughs> he definitely has a beard like when he sucks up snake in smash brothers that yeah. like goatee yeah yeah most of the games definitely happen while ddd is alive yeah and since he as far as we know is not any kind of like supernatural long-lived being it's probably a pretty relatively short period of time in which kirby is on all of these adventures yeah is ddd in the robobot game i haven't seen him yet but i'm very very early on oh actually I think maybe he was in the intro sequence when the robots were, like, landing. Okay, so Robobot might be, like, you know, 50 years in the future from the first Kirby game. Yeah. And he's still technically a child, uh-huh. but he's a little bit older, and, like, technology is advancing around them. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm trying to put together the, the larger uh, Kirby timeline, which <laughs> nobody cares about but me now. That's not true. <laughs> Literally everyone listening is so excited about the Kirby timeline. We're all like, oh, wait a second, what? <laughs> Kabu spits out the warp star, and he does so by saying, warp star. <laughs> and, <laughs> I love that. And it flies out of his mouth, but apparently that happens because Tiff, like, summons it. Something about her love for Kirby keeps the star safe. And able to be used by Kirby when he needs it. So Kirby jumps on the star, flies up into the storm, 
sucks up some of the storm, spits it back out, I guess to do sort of a like, I'm going to spit the storm back out, spinning in the opposite direction of the big regular storm. And then like, oh, that's what it's it. doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then he reveals the lightning cloud, Krakow, and the lightning bolts that Krakow is sending start solidifying into like kind of like crackly scimitars. And they're like yes. spinning around in the air, trying to attack Kirby. Kirby sucks it up, and you can very briefly uh, see the point of the sword pushing Kirby's rubbery skin in the back, like as if Kirby is growing a little tail. This is the newest recurring segment on your two show that's called Kirby's Bad Mouth. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to Kirby's Bad Mouth. Come on in. It's time to party with Kirby's Bad Mouth. Kirby's Bad Mouth. Kirby's Bad Mouth. <laughs> yeah, once again, we got to see Kirby open his big flappy lips mm-hmm. and receive a solid object that slides into his mouth, bumps into the back of his head body, and creates a visible extruding indentation. Yes. Or an extentation mm-hmm. that indicates that his balloon body has been stretched but not broken. I would call it a sindentation. <laughs> I will agree. <laughs> Ratified gunk gunk. <laughs> Holy smokes, I hate to see this part. It was really bad. It was very bad. Especially because especially because it's a lightning bolt, right? Yes. Yeah. It, it shouldn't have a solid physical form. And I do object to the fact that when he processes the the mm-hmm. electrical blade, that he becomes sword Kirby. Yeah. That I don't think is correct. The problem for me, like the biggest problem is that like up until now, I really considered this like hard sci-fi. You know, and now the sword, the sword having a physical form, even though it's just electricity, has stressed me out to the point that I guess I have to start calling this like science fantasy, which like is fine, but isn't like it's not really what I'm looking for when I go to the theaters these days. I just can't take it seriously anymore, you know? It's so good. That's a really good point, yeah. and I'm right there with you. Now, I personally love science fantasy, so mm-hmm. I'm really glad to see... Oh, but if we're gonna get technical, sure. let's break it down. Basically, Krakow is throwing lightsabers. Yeah, yes, actually, So it yeah. is technically a sword, uh, mm-hmm. even though it's made of electrical energy, and that's how we can justify not flushing this whole cartoon series into the science toilet. Okay, 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 okay. D- like, okay, setting okay. aside the fact that, yes, Star Wars is my tentpole for science fiction, hard science fiction. Yeah, it, with with all the good facts that it, that it exists within it and mm-hmm. that it has no problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, very, the very specific science-based technical lore that is part of <laughs> Star Wars, even though this does line up with that, I have to object because if it were mm. really a lightsaber, it would be able to cut through anything except a lightsaber and is the inside of kirby a lightsaber i do not think so ah also this does provide a strange my okay my i feel like i can feel my brain expanding yeah 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 you're learning he's growing (laughs) all jokes aside let my monster grow kirby when we see his mouth from the front the void begins immediately 
We, when we look inside the mouth yes. from the front, the void yes. is right there. Yes. But what this says to me, mm. because the sword was able to go straight back and push the back of Kirby's body before it disappeared. We could see part of it mm -hmm. extending out of his mouth mm -hmm. as it pushed against the back of his terrifying membrane. Yes. What, what this means is that Kirby's tummy, Kirby's inside self, <laughs> has some sort of Kirby's like bad bad belly <laughs> Kirby's bad bad belly has some kind of cosmic wallpaper <laughs> that, that creates that creates some kind of optical illusion implying that mm -hmm. there's a void directly there when mm. in fact the void is below the cosmic yep. wallpaper body bingo bing mm -hmm. bing 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 I would like to again just Bring up the notion that some of Kirby, mm -hmm. not necessarily a but, yeah. is elsewhere. That Kirby is some kind of extra-dimensional being. Mm -hmm. If he exists around a singularity, and let's go super hard sci-fi right now. I'm ready. If Kirby exists around a black hole singularity. Okay. If he contains and encompasses it, mm -hmm. then first of all, we have to explore the temporal distortions that should be accompanied with that. Okay. Such as living for hundreds of extra years? Oh, snap. This is like that movie, the Planetary Inception movie, mm -hmm. where they go on the planet and time's different. This explains why Kirby doesn't age mm -hmm. at the same rate as everything else, because the massive gravitational pull inside of him belly... Mm -hmm. Just makes time a pass differently, and I don't remember if it happens the right direction or not, but I frankly don't care. But what I'm saying is, yes. if Kirby's belly contains a singularity, mm -hmm. then it has to go through the wormhole or the curb hole. Yeah, 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 yeah. And come out somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So, if the opening is below the event horizon of Kirby's flap lip mouth, yes. and we are going to have to turn this episode to explicit. <laughs> We're going to have to change the show now. And there it because was. Of this the line has been crossed. <laughs> We've crossed the event horizon into adult content, and I, I am sorry to everyone listening. If the if the black hole is beneath his mouth, mm -hmm. then that would allow the the sword. And I am drawing a diagram on a whiteboard right now. It goes straight in, hits the back, and then clonk clonks down in through the hole, and then comes out some other place. Yes, again, wherever Kirby's maybe not his butt is, that would permit perhaps the visible distortion of the uh, horrible bubble of Kirby's body mm -hmm. and account for the infinite void that apparently is within him. Okay, so the animation... Your thoughts. The animation kind of... Obviously, because Kirby has the clonk-clonk, like, he has that animation where he, like, sucks it up, holds it, and then swallows it. Yep. I think Kirby does not connect to the wormhole unless the membrane is closed. Okay. So Kirby is inhaling. Yes. He is pulling the thing into his body, but while he's inhaling, it is not directly connected to this other place he's expansive so when he sucks something up he's holding it in there okay and then when he glomps what he's doing is he's <laughs> sealing his lips so that mm -hmm. when the worm when he it does reconnect to the wormhole it does not expand out beyond his body and he drops it off and then he's got it <laughs> okay mm -hmm. all right mm -hmm. and somehow this process results in a conversion Mm -hmm. of matter into a concept yes 
that he then transmogrifies into a different outfit and potentially a weapon and or a further ability. Yes. (laughs) When he drops the power and sometimes the people come back out, Mm -hmm. they have been in there for a very long time. Oh, I see. And so, so when they return, they've been through a lot. But they are released back into the world just moments after it had they had been taken. Okay, okay. Listen, we've already done like a full TED talk. Like this is a conference. Like we actually need to hold a conference on Kirby studies now. Mm-hmm. Like the physics of Kirby. But there are obviously stages to this mm-hmm. uh, because maybe he can hold them again. Maybe he has multiple stomach chambers on the way. Chambers is my number one. I'm I'm on the I'm in the chamber. Yeah, we're side. all on board with chambers. Uh, there's a lot of division in the community about butt or not butt imagine uh, imagine like a rotating okay you know those like those like <laughs> cameras where you click uh-huh. it and it switches from picture to picture oh right that's right. how his stomachs work is they like rotate in okay and he has the different ones that he can spin he has a rubik's cube digestive system mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's a totally normal regular <laughs> sentence that makes exact sense both in context and out, and I'm, and we're doing really good science. But the thing is, there, there, he can he can hold an he can hold an enemy, use the power, mm-hmm. then release it, and the enemy's fine allegedly. Yeah. But in the games, let us not make light of the fact that very often he glorps and then f- extrudes a literal star. Mm-hmm. The compression power of his micro singularity yeah. has turned. A poor little waddle <laughs> into a solar entity. Okay, but you say this which, as if it's like a sad <laughs> thing, but like, <laughs> honestly, like they've, what if they like just kind of spiritually, like they transcended, like they, now they are going to live forever as a great, as a great as being a star? of the stars. Yeah. Well, unfortunately that could be the case, except when Kirby spits them maliciously into another enemy and they both explode into dust. That's okay. Yeah. That's the rough one. That's definitely <laughs> that. When we think about that, that mm-hmm. is maybe I don't know what's worse than a war crime, <laughs> <laughs> a star crime. It turns out a star crime. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, <laughs> we probably talked about that for too long. Yeah. And so the end of the episode is where <laughs> Kirby d- slices Cracko in half with the sword <laughs> that he now has for being Sword Kirby. And yes. Meta Knight congratulates Tiff for having so powerfully uh, helped Kirby succeed in this way. And, like, she is ready to work with Kirby forever. The show confirms again that she's the oh. real main character. And the episode ends very quickly. Kirby, just let me know when you need the star treatment. Yeah, it wraps up abruptly. Mm-hmm. Um, just like this one. Thank you guys so much for listening to your two show. Uh, my name is Caleb Zane Hewitt, and this has just been a blast. I'm, what do you think, Nick? I'm Nick Splendor, and I do want to apologize for the star crimes that we committed today, <laughs> but I think we are out of time. And uh, <laughs> I want to thank Dave Duncan and Goodnight Productions mm-hmm. uh, for our theme song. I want to thank everybody who worked on the show. Kirby, right back at you. It's very good, and I really encourage you to watch it on YouTube or the place of your choosing. It's so good. Uh, I would also, we don't usually do this, but I would like to recommend another podcast right now. If oh. you have, if you have not listened 
to free Wi-Fi. Yeah. It's a relatively new podcast with uh, our friends of the show, Esteban Fajardo and Catherine Fox. Yep. And they are both game developers who work for other people and themselves, talking about their process and talking about the process of game development generally. It's very, very fun, a nice chill time. We might have talked about it on the show before, but here it is again. I can't remember if we brought it up, but it is a good recommendation. I really like listening to their show and the things they're breaking down about game design are really good. That's mm-hmm. a good rec. Uh, and I'll make one follow-up note, which is in the last episode, I made a joke and speculated about um, creating a version of the Pico 8 Celeste game Ooh. that featured Kirby. And I would like you to know that the gears are in motion and please stay tuned. That is actually <laughs> happening for sure. And I'm not going to say anything else about it. Yeah, it's And the very, very, very last thing. The self-plug yep. is that I am now doing some, like, tiny bits of streaming on Twitch and putting those up on YouTube. Oh, yeah! Um, so, if you want to find me, I'm C Zane H on Twitch, and I'm Caleb Zane Hewitt on YouTube. You can just search that. And right now, I'm doing a playthrough of Kingdom Hearts 3. I've already beaten it, so I'm talking about my thoughts on the story and everything as I play through the mm-hmm. hard mode, the proud mode. And I'm playing a game called The Sexy Brutal that came out in 2017 that I never played. That's kind of a little puzzle murder mystery solving game. So come hang out. Yeah, both really good games and both really good streams. Thank you. I think you're doing a good job, Caleb. I like, I'm, I'm glad you're moving into this new territory. Thank you so much. I'm having a really good time. Yeah. Okay, I think that's it. Yep. Uh, well, thanks, everybody. Uh, I'm, once again, I'm Nick Splendor. And I'm Caleb Zane Hewitt. And, and you're... Did your microphone get muted? Show. Oh, there you are. (laughs) 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 No, I was a ghost and I faded out, but then I had to, I boo, you know? (laughs) You did, you boo. (laughs) He he fade, he boo, he ghost. (laughs) Good app for us and no one else. Yeah, Yeah, I had a really good time thinking about that. (laughs) I'm going to stop my recording. Okay. Yeah, good idea.